Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. Love is everlasting love is only kind love is always makes you love will love your mind. That's still yet. Um, I can say this though. What the Democrats are proposing is their most radical, open borders, lawless proposal yet. Let's just call a spade a spade, Hugh. 49 Democrats have now supported a bill by Dianne Feinstein that says children at the border are literally a get-out-of-jail-free card. If you show up at our border, you have to be released into our country, never to be seen again. They are literally get-out-of-jail-free card and a get-into-the-U.S.-free card. Moreover, Hugh, let's look at this from another angle. All across America, there are parents who are separated from their children because they have been arrested for a crime or they've been convicted of a crime. And their children are placed with the next of kin or their children are placed in foster care. That probably happened last night in Arkansas multiple times. Yet the Democrats aren't crying for those American citizens. They're willing to treat illegal immigrant criminals better than they treat American citizens who are charged with the crime. So what they are proposing is shows just how radical and extreme the Democrats have become on immigration. Hugh, there's a very simple solution to this. I am working with many senators to get this solution on the spending bill we're considering this week. The Trump administration's hands are tied by liberal judges and Democrats who have ruled over the years that children at the border can't be detained for more than 20 days. That's why when their parents bring them to their border or, just as likely, kidnap them or buy them from human traffickers to pose as parents at the border, the parent is taken into custody, the child can't be detained for more than 20 days and therefore placed uh, with a relative or placed in a kind of foster care. Wow. Uh, welcome back to the show. Stacy Washington, host of Stacy on the Right. Uh, it's good to be with you today. We have so much to cover. So we had this, this is um, a discussion with Tom Cotton, and he's chatting with Hugh Hewitt about this, uh, this issue with the border. And what's so funny about this is the more you learn about it, the more you see that we have, as a nation, actually been quite fair and the fact that we know that the Democrats are actively working to bring people into this country, so is the Mexican government, yet we're still treating people the same underneath our procedures. We're still behaving towards them as we should under the procedures that govern our country, that we're, we're going by the law. And what President Obama did was so unfair because it attracted people to the border. And so you heard Horace Cooper from last segment talking about how, you know, there's there's a grapevine of information that these people are operating under. The Democrats will say, oh, they're going to keep coming. They're still going to come because they want them to come. But the actual asylum applicants are not, they're, they're not, they don't have that at all. They, they feel among themselves that if there's a great chance for them to come and stay, that they're going to do so because they've seen other people do it. But if the circumstances change, they'll just wait because they know at some point, at least According to what has happened here previously, you have a, a strong a president who's strong on the border. The next go round, we'll have a president who's weak on the border unless we change the law. And that is why the Democrats don't want a new piece of legislation to change the law. Changing the law is a permanent fix that they simply cannot stomach. The reason they don't have a huge track record with increasing their voter rolls past the 50 percent mark is because. As people grow up in age, they realize 
Wow, my tax burden really is outsized. Wow, these policies really don't help my kids. Wow, I got to move to the suburbs because if we keep living in the city, we're going to have to pay twenty, thirty thousand per kid to get an education. When we could just move to the county and pay more for a house, move to the suburbs, pay pay a little more for a house that actually will grow in value and is an investment, and the kids can go to a, a good public school paid for by our tax dollars. The more people learn that kind of stuff, the more they lean towards fiscal conservatism. The other side of the coin is, obviously, as Christians, we have to do a better job of drawing people in so that they know the truth about good Christian living. It's the key to longevity. Obedience is the key to longevity. All of these things that we could be sharing, that we could let people know that we have not yet, uh, we, we haven't really, we haven't, we haven't done all that we can do. So... Now I want to listen to him discuss this a little bit further because this is Tom Cotton. He's, he's dealing with Democrats every day. He's in there with them and their emotional virtue signaling every day. It's number six. All we need to do, Hugh, is overturn the, floor, the so-called Flores settlement, allow families to be held at the border, provide a little bit of extra money to the military and DHS for family housing units while those claims are adjudicated. We're going to offer amendment this week on the spending bill. It can be done promptly, but it'll expose the Democrats – for what they are, advocates of totally open borders. Because they don't want families held together at the border. This is not about family separation for the Democrats. This is about an open border policy that lets children be a get-out-of-jail-free card and a get-into-the-U.S.-free card. I don't think many Americans support that policy. We don't. Uh, I mean, if you, so if you talk to, anecdotally, of course, but you talk to Democrats, people who are socially liberal and even liberal fiscally, and you talk about illegal immigrants coming to their kid's school, they immediately change their tune. You talk about illegal immigrants coming to their town. The videos are out there. Just watch them for yourself. They go to a nice little town that looks totally, you know, full, chock full of coffee shops and millennials and little art galleries, and they'll say, hey, um, one of the things that they want to do is bring in, you know, 1,500 illegal immigrants who need homes. They want to bring them in and have them here in, in your town. And they'll say, wait, well, why should they, why are they coming to our town? They ask that. They want, they want a reason. Well, they feel like it's fair because you don't have very many illegal immigrants here. And so they want to bring them here so that they can learn how to be Americans. And most of them will say, oh, I'm not sure if I support that. Would you vote for that? No, I'm not sure I would. I, I don't really feel like talking. And then they'll just, you know, in other words, I don't want to be on camera telling you my real feelings. I don't really want. Yeah, I don't want that. This is an issue that only gets solved in Congress. And it only gets solved if the Republicans decide that they're single minded about it as the Democrats were with Obamacare. They literally have to be so single minded about it that they just basically say, this is the hill I'm going to die on. This is the thing I'm going to do for the American people and for myself and for my legacy and so I can answer promises that I made during the campaign, promises that were used to raise money for my campaign. I'm going to do this because it's the right thing to do. It's right for Americans. It's right for these kids coming from south of the border. We need to disincentivize this behavior. I don't know if we're going to see that, but apparently, and I just, just got this release in my mailbox here, um, that just now the president signed the executive order, that was 17 minutes ago, giving Homeland Security authorization to hold families together at the border, uh, tomorrow, the House is expected to vote on immigration legislation. And, you know, I, I, I honestly, I have the text of the executive order. I got that directly from the uh, White House press office. And 
It has uh, definitions of alien family, alien child, temporary detention uh, policy for families entering the country illegally. Um, So it's it's not as bad as it as we think it might be, but it's also not it's not terribly to me. It's not terribly beneficial, but it does take away the PR nightmare that the Republicans are currently experiencing. I love watching Jimmy Kimmel and some of these other liberals. They're so worked up and so self-righteous about this issue, but they're fine with abortion. And I know I've had some people tell me, well, Stacey, that's what aboutism. If you say, well, what about abortion? Then you're basically deflecting from the issue. No, I've covered the issue effectively. I have said and explained exactly what's wrong with this issue and how it should be handled. And yeah, also, I want to talk about how Democrats support abortion on demand up until after birth, but they're trying to make us, you know, convince us that they love children. No, I don't think so. I don't think those things go in the same brain. Those two beliefs cannot be held simultaneously in the same brain without exploding the head that's holding the two views. How about that? So now I want to turn to some international news Um, Ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley has made an announcement that the United States will withdraw from the Human Rights Council of the U.N., which is long overdue. It's number one. I thought she was exactly right. I thought Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was right on target as well. You know, this decision in many respects has been decades in the making. The Human Rights Council, its predecessor, the Human Rights Commission, uh, were really not uh, places where human rights was a priority, strange as that may seem. So it's clearly the right decision to get off. It's the right decision to defund the Human Rights Council and the High Commissioner for Human Rights. Uh, and it's something I think that uh, goes to the broader question of American sovereignty. You know, we're actually self-governing in this country. Uh, we have a constitution. We, we make our share of mistakes and we correct them. We don't need advice by the U.N. or other international bodies mm-hmm. on how to govern ourselves. Mm. Okay, so he's right. We don't. Um, We don't have human rights abuses in our country anywhere like in in the same universe as the types of things we see in Iran and North Korea and other countries that actually have seats on the Human Rights Council. Now, obviously not North Korea. They're not on the they're not in the U.N. at all. But these other countries that are in the U.N. have horrible human human rights abuses. They don't allow the free practice of religion. They don't allow women to get educated or or if they do have educations, they're not allowed to appear in public without their faces covered. I mean, come on. These are the types of things that you see in third world countries. And those third world countries are trying to judge us. And so it is absolutely correct for us to exit that situation and not put up with it anymore. Why should we bother being lectured by countries that don't even have an iota of the same kind of record on improving their human rights as we do? And the border issue is not a human rights issue. As Horace Cooper pointed out, you need only not come to the border illegally if you don't want to be separated from your kids. That's the simplest way to make sure it doesn't happen. You don't have a right to cross the border illegally. And if you do, the consequences that you experience are those that are dictated by U.S. law. Point, counterpoint, done. That's it. So the, we are giving people who want to argue. Have you ever been in, in a discussion with someone who wants to have an argument with you? And so if you win on a point, they'll, they insult you? Well, you sound just like this one or that one, someone that you know they find contemptible, that you might not have a problem with, but the point is people can understand when they're being insulted. What I find absolutely, it leaves me incredulous that someone would be in an argument about some political topic 
and then hurl an accusation of, you know, some kind of incendiary rhetoric or something like that. And then couple it with you sound just like and it's a person they find contemptible. And then when you say, um, first of all, I don't find that person contemptible, but I know you do. So stop insulting me. They're like, well, then you should stop talking like that. No, what you're saying is that you have the right to insult me because you don't like what I'm saying instead of arguing the points. The lack of ability to argue a point means that I've won. I've won the argument against you because you can no longer levy any points to counter my points. Whether or not you think I sound like or I'm saying things like someone that you hate is irrelevant, isn't it? But that's what happens when you win an argument with a liberal or someone who has the brain of, I don't know, a chipmunk. So here's another little tidbit that you guys, I mean, hold, hold in your drinks. Don't, sp- don't spit your drinks out on your laptops and whatnot. ABC News has had to apologize for an inaccurate lower third that stated Paul Manafort pleads guilty to five charges of manslaughter. This is what passes for news nowadays. And they actually judge conservative websites. They actually say bad things about Breitbart and and the Daily Caller. You should hear the kind of horrible things that are hurled forward as insults towards the Daily Caller, which actually breaks news. You know, remember, we we covered it here. The Daily Caller News Foundation was the tip of the spear on the Anwar Omali, Omali uh, tech suit with um, the Democrats. The House Democrats were all employing this guy and his two brothers and the wife was on the payroll. And it came to find out later that they'd been, uh, you know, sending all the money from their numerous paychecks for basically effectively one or two jobs. They had like five people employed and they were sending that money over to the Middle East. And they had breached their security. And the Democrats were still employing these people. Debbie Wasserman Schultz was the last person to let them go. That story was broken by the Daily Caller News Foundation and a hot reporter, and I mean hot like he was on the case, who actually, that, that's where the reporting comes from. So, I mean, excuse me, uh, ABC News and others, if I find the Daily Caller to be eminently credible and absolutely something, you know, I, I go there every day because that's good news right there. That's not good news as in woohoo, but good, solid, well-reported, well-researched, factually-based news. They actually had Manafort pleads guilty to five charges of manslaughter on ABC News special report during the 12 p.m. Eastern time hour. The graphic stayed up on the screen from 1221, so basically for seven seconds before producers figured out what happened and transitioned the Chiron to a different one. They did apologize. We'll be back with more after this. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for a healthcare plan, or more importantly, if you signed up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing program. It's been around for 25 years. They have hundreds of thousands of members all across the country. And get this, over the years, MediShare members have shared more than $2.5 billion of each other's medical bills. Best of all, 
You could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is about 500 bucks a month. Your savings may be less or more, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. So if you think you're stuck with a high cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. Here's the number to find out more. There's no pressure, they're super easy to talk to. Just hit star star 345. That's star star 345. Star Star 345. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. Not long ago, I served on an ordination council. This was a group of ministers who quizzed a young man to see if he met both the theological and character qualifications for the ministry. However, the first time around, the young candidate didn't do so well. After a few months, we re-examined him. Well, this time he did a great job. He was asked if it bothered him that he had to be re-examined. The young candidate said, no, it doesn't bother me because I have a bit of a learning disability and I have always had to do things over again, but I eventually get there. This reminds me that when we retrace our steps and do things over again, the lessons and experiences become a permanent part of who we are. In Numbers chapter 33, verse 1, this principle is illustrated for us. These are the journeys of the sons of Israel by which they came out of the land of Egypt by their armies under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Then these journeys are outlined. I just thought about the journeys. (laughs) All through those journeys, I can imagine people saying, are we going to get there yet? They had to retrace their steps. Ah, but there was a point to it. They had to learn certain lessons. And here God reminds them of those lessons. Let me ask you, Have you ever recounted your journeys and thought through what you've learned? We run the danger of being shallow and superficial when we forget where we came from, what we have learned, and what we've been through. Well, here's what I want you to remember and do today. As soon as possible, set aside some time to write down the milestones and significant events in your spiritual journey. You'll have a fresh appreciation for what God has taught you. Join Crawford Loritz tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. Well, it had nothing to do with that. This decision was made by President Trump weeks ago. Uh, it followed long decision-making and uh, review of the, of the Human Rights Council's performance. Uh, and as I say, it's something that uh, reflects a widely held view in the United States. It's one reason why in 2006, uh, when I was up at the UN, we voted against creating this council because we said it was not adequately reformed. It would not change its behavior from its predecessor, Human Rights Commission. And the last 12 years have simply proven that. So I think uh, what Mike Pompeo and Nikki Haley announced yesterday was exactly the right thing. It does have these broader implications for American sovereignty around the world. You know, we did talk about Israel uh, because it's singled out unfairly, mm-hmm. but in many respects, Israel is, a, as the saying goes, a canary in the mine shaft for the United States. Countries that attack Israel do it because they think it's easier, but much of their criticism is really aimed at us. <laughs> you know, you got to love Michael Bolton and his expert analysis because he spent all those years on Fox, so he's so camera ready. He knows how to get those, uh, those, those, those sound bites in and encapsulate everything in a very, very short period of time that he has uh, on, on, the, on the TV screen. So 
Welcome back to the show. Uh, it's my pleasure to welcome our next guest. We have Lauren Zelt, Republican strategist. Uh, thanks for calling in to the show, Lauren. Hey, Stacey. It's great to be with you this week. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad to speak with you because one of the stories that's not getting a lot of attention, in my opinion, I'm looking all over, I don't see it everywhere, it should be everywhere, is this horrible threat that was made against Barron Trump, son of the President of the United States and First Lady Melania Trump. He's the only child they have left at home. All the rest of them have flown, flown the coop. They're all adults and can take care of themselves. They can defend themselves. All of the president's children enjoy Secret Service protection, but this threat was particularly disturbing. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, so I, I agree with you. It was, it was so disturbing. So what happened was um, after Peter Fonda um, was on Twitter, we know so much of you know, the vitriol that we see anymore, um, especially from a lot of people on the left these days, it would seem like, um, is, is spouted on Twitter. And he took to Twitter, I believe it was last night, you know, and saying that, you know, we should rip Baron Trump from his mother's arms and put him in a cage with pedophiles to see if his mom will stand up against to essentially her husband. He used some choice language after that that I don't think is good for a Christian audience, so I'm just going to leave it there. Mm. Um, but he made this threat on, on Twitter, um, interestingly enough, at 1.48 a.m., which, I don't know, have people just not learned the lesson that, Tweeting in the middle of the night is just not a good thing. I don't know. But, um, yeah, and I actually just saw a development a couple of minutes ago um, that the First Lady has, you know, officially reported this to the Secret Service. Um, because, you know, look, I mean, especially people that are actors in Hollywood, they have large audiences, and you never know who you might inspire with your words. And it, it terrifies me. And, and the level of rhetoric that we're seeing anymore, I just – it. It makes me shudder, and especially when we're talking about a child, an innocent child, you know, of the, you know, the president's son. I just, ugh, it's just beyond the pale to me. You know, it just is. I, I, I really struggle with it, and I just think I don't know what needs to happen for us to, you know, change this language that's used, especially to describe our elected officials. But something must change because it's, it's just gotten out of hand. I think. Well, I think one of the things that's really disturbing to me is. <clears throat> How quickly we saw Roseanne Barr for now. Now we come to find out after the fact that Roseanne Barr didn't know that Valerie Jarrett was black. She thought she was Iranian um, mm -hmm. and she is Iranian. In Which is part. true, actually. Yeah, I believe she was yeah. born in Iran. Yeah. Yeah. But she's I, I guess, you know, there's there's mixed heritage there and, and that's wonderful. But apparently the racism part of the tweet, what she was making fun of some character that actually looks like Valerie Jarrett. And that was the Planet of the Apes reference as opposed to Planet of the Apes, you know, black people are still apes, et cetera, et cetera. And so while I condemn the comment and, you know, I couldn't defend what she said, finding out later that right. she didn't know Valerie Jarrett was black, I'm like, oh, well, that just, that just, it kind of makes it all the more worse because apparently we're, we're, we're saying you said something racist when in reality it was just maybe a joke in poor taste. But definitely if she didn't know Valerie Jarrett was black, it couldn't have been a racial comment. Now, look at what's happened to Roseanne Barr. They didn't just cancel her show. They've removed all of the shows that were available to watch on. Yeah. So the syndication yeah. is gone. Now, you could say that Roseanne Barr made all of her money the first go round and she's rich and, you know, she's not hurting. But that's not the point. The point is the left doesn't leave you any room for a mistake. If you do something that's outside the pale, they send the mob after you. And they run you out of town and erase you from memory. 
Meanwhile, this guy who is an actor, you just you named an actor off. Will he get the same treatment for threatening an actual child, a real life child that sure Baron Trump has uh, Secret Service protection? But we've seen yeah. presidents get assassinated before. We know that a, a determined person can get through any security perimeter. And, and even if they're killed themselves, they can do damage to the target. What's going to happen to this guy? I, I doubt anything will happen. I mean, who knows? I know the Secret Service does an excellent job, so I guess we'll see. But I doubt anything will happen. I mean, look, if you look at even the recent example of um, Samantha B and her comments that she made about Ivanka Trump on her show... I mean, I believe she's still on the air. Nothing happened to her. Yes, some advertisers pulled out, um, pulled their spots from her show. I think rightfully so. Mm -hmm. But TBS did nothing. I believe she's still on the air. Um, You know, you've seen, you know, another one on the left, and we all know that she loves to, you know, make um, very, very, um, you know, horrible comments and things. Um, Kathy Griffin just the other day is back out tweeting with all kinds of curse words and everything about the Obama administration, or I'm sorry, the Trump administration. And, and look, now, Kathy Griffin did get what was coming to her, but only because people chose to stop going to see her, you know, her shows. And CNN, you know, rightfully so, they, they did, you know, uh, they did end their relationship with her, but nothing happened to Samantha B. Nothing, you know, there's just this double standard. I mean, if you remember Michelle Wolf, who I think really crossed the line at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, um, she still has a show, I believe, on Netflix. Nothing yes. happens. Like, it, yeah, she does. It's so infuriating to me because it's such a double standard. And I think, look, as a conservative, if, if you want to have a discussion about free speech and everything like that, that's one thing. But the fact that the fact of the matter is, right now, there are consequences for people who come from a right-leaning perspective, and in general, there are not consequences for people who come from a left-leaning perspective. And it just—it's infuriating. It really is. Hmm. So let's 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 the remedy is, Lauren, that you cancel your Netflix. And this is where the real soldiers separate off from those who just talk about what they want to do. And I'm not saying this because I'm judging anyone. Everyone has to make their own choice, but I'm just going to call it for what it is. The left is single minded in their desire to run us down in the street, to drive us weeping and wailing before them. They want those results. We, on the other hand, are much more reasonable and we're like, well, I'm offended, but I mean, you know, I'm going to live. And so that's why they they go on. Samantha B's advertisers have flown the coop. We had Curtis Houck of Newsbusters, managing editor over there. He came on the show and detailed for us how deeply the advertisers have cut their ties to the program. Good for them. Yeah. It is it's great news, Lauren. It, it it gives me hope because I feel like those advertisers know, you know what, even though we may be liberal leaning, we have a bottom line and we need to sell paper towels and toilet paper and you know, we need to sell these staples to everyone and so we can't be affiliated with a show that uses this kind of language. Even if it's against someone we we ourselves don't find to be that palatable, you know, because they they may not love Ivanka Trump, but they know she's a woman and they know that that right. doesn't work. So if we're not willing to give up Netflix because they support this agenda, because they're still employing that awful Michelle Wolf, then, you know, what happens is she gets away with it. Now, I don't believe people get away with it forever. I think Kathy Griffin is one of the most glaring examples of how someone can literally not just destroy their own career, but also lose their mind in the process because her most recent tweets demonstrate to me a kind of uh, it's, it's either a pathology or it's a self-destructive bent, like her friends should be checking in on her at night, that, that kind of thing. She seems off. 
and he's certainly she's, unhinged. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. With that. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm serious. I'm and and I I was kind of you know I would look at her and think you know th- this is what you get. Look at look at yourself. But now I'm starting to feel kind of concerned for her because she seems it's not it's not normal the stuff she's tweeting out the things she's saying it's like she's daring someone to destroy her again and she's she's coming from a place like her tweets uh towards Kevin Hart who is i mean that guy's really successful and yeah. she's trying to take him down it's like a gnat bouncing up against the side of an elephant it's ridiculous i'm like what are you doing he's not going really to is. engage you yeah so um <laughs> i agree it, I mean, it's crazy. So what, what happens? I know the Secret Service had at one point had to make a visit out to someone else who'd made a horrible threat against Baron Trump. That was like right after the inauguration. Is that what they're going to do this time? Take a trip out and visit this guy? He's already deleted the tweet. Right. So what we know this afternoon is that a spokesperson uh, for the First Lady, um, Stephanie Grisham, we see her name in the news a lot. Um, she told the Daily Caller, I heard you. Talking about the Daily Caller a lot before, I also read the Daily Caller. Yeah. <laughs> um, she told the Daily Caller um, that the Secret Service has been notified, and she said the tweet is sick and irresponsible. Secret Service has been notified. Um, and so that is where we stand right now as of this afternoon. Now I'm sure that the Secret Service will do their due, to, due diligence on this. I would suspect he probably will get a visit to see if, you know, this is a credible threat. But, like, you can't visit everybody that might be inspired by that tweet. I mean, how are we supposed to you know, deal with that? How are we supposed to, you know, make sure that, you know, the the first son, if you will, is, um, you know, is safe from anyone that might have looked at that tweet and said, yeah, I'm going to do that. Because there are, unfortunately, we know this is a fallen world, and there mm-hmm. are people who commit evil crimes every single day. And, like, that's, that's what worries me. You know, me too. I highly doubt a Hollywood actor is going to do this. But what I worry about is someone who you know, really is is interested in, you know, um, in in evil acts. And that, like, we, we have no way to check on that. Like, they're just... And, no way and we have examples that. of that, that happening. Me. Like, uh, we yeah. have the two Southern Poverty Loss uh, Center-inspired attacks. One was on Family Research Center, where the security guard actually was shot, but he did, he lived, um, and he, he took down the shooter. Um, that was because the Southern Poverty Law Center designated the Family Research Center as a hate group. Um, they had another shooting. I don't remember the details about the second shooting, but I remember the Family Research Center one because it's affiliated with Dr. James Dobson, and I, you know, I have his books and all that stuff. So that one sticks in my mind. Also, the shooting at the baseball field. That guy was inspired by yeah. language that was incendiary from Bernie Sanders. Uh, he was a Sanders yeah. supporter. So this happens. This is not like we're not yeah. making this up. And. I, I know he has Secret Service protection, and most liberals are like, he's fine. You just want sympathy for him. But I actually do want sympathy for Barron Trump because he's actually a minor. He's a kid. He's yeah. younger than all of my children. He's younger than our youngest child. And sometimes when I'm explaining something to one of the kids, something they've seen a news story, and they'll say, Mom, what's a, what, I, do you, did you see this story? And I'll start talking about it. And I can see the look of horror across my kid's face. And they're not being threatened. We're just talking about something in the news. Children really do deserve to be protected. And I know that the president, he went in with his eyes wide open and he and his wife decided to run for the presidency. But Baron Trump didn't get a choice. And we really, right. we should all be horrified by this. Honestly, he's just a kid. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on it. You know, I think... Again, I know yours is a Christian audience, so, you know, let's throw some prayers uh, Baron Trump's way and just keep them, you know, in our hearts and protected because this is just, 
I, it just it, it infuriates me. It really, really does. He's a small child. He doesn't deserve this. And I that that anyone can think that that kind of language is okay just really says something about you know where some some parts of our society are today. And I it just it makes me very sad. It just really does. And there's just so much work to be done. Really, there is. There's there's a lot of work yeah. to be done. But it's it, unfortunately you and I can talk about it, and we definitely can pray about it. But in the end, it's the people who find this kind of language exciting. Um, he's he, he's got to retweet this guy, this uh, this this actor. He's got to retweet on his on his Twitter feed where he's retweeted someone who said, "Well, I wouldn't go so far as kidnapping the kid, but the other stuff we should do. We should protest their businesses. We should protest their homes. You know, we should." This is the kind of angry, unhinged, out of control discussion that leads to people getting hurt, and then. They'll die down for a little bit. All they do is go low. They just basically they right. get they get quiet for a while, like kids who've been caught doing something wrong, and then they'll be back to being ridiculous again with any you know within within short order. And and uh, it's it's disgusting. I I want to say thanks for coming on the show today. I appreciate you coming on and illuminating this issue. Um, and we will pray for not just the president and his son and his wife, but for for our nation to be coming together uh, instead of this horrible behavior towards each other. Yes. Well, it's not um, It's not all bad. I know you talked about it on the show yesterday, but we did see Chris Pratt at the MTV, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, Music Awards um, talking about God and talking about the gospel. So it's not all bad. I don't want to leave your listeners all bummed out. Um, Absolutely. You talked about that yesterday, but um, that is so amazing to see, and it is so important. And how brave, too, is he, right? Like, it's, I, I would imagine that's probably not a terribly friendly crowd to that message, and I, I just am loving it. I, it I makes, am too. It makes me so happy. So there's a lot of bad, but there is some good, um, you know, and we just got to we gotta keep working at it to make sure there's, you know, more and more good. Absolutely. All right. Lauren Zelt, um, Republican strategist, former press secretary for Senator Kelly Ayotte. Thank you for joining the show today. Thanks, Stacey. Appreciate it. All right. Talk to you again soon. Yeah, we. I, I love that she wrapped it up on a high note. I have to say... Um, that Chris Pratt, I'm, I'll be dining on, out on that for a while. And it's not because like, I, it's not like I think he's the best actor in the world. I definitely think he was funny in Guardians of the Galaxy, both both films. He did a great job in those. It's not so much that I'm a huge fan of his or not a huge fan. It's that he took a chance. And really, when we say take a chance, it, it almost makes it seem as if we're not sure what God's going to do. We know what God's going to do. When we proclaim him boldly in front of men, He says he proclaims us boldly in front of his father. That is the best. So Chris Pratt, I just, I feel great about it. I feel like someone was meant to hear him say those words in that audience or in the the TV viewing audience. Someone got a dose of what they needed when he shared that. And that is pretty doggone great. So great job with Lauren, uh, especially ending on a high note. We'll be talking about the IG report, which is what everyone doesn't want us to talk about when we get back after these messages. And we'll take your calls, 866-963-2037. Keep it here. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Slow down, moms. That sounds pretty counterintuitive, doesn't it? Haven't we all wished to work faster, smarter, and better? But that isn't what God has for us. 
We have been given life to enjoy abundantly, which means that we must prune our activities for our own sanity. As American culture moves at an ever-increasing speed, God calls moms to slow down and say no sometimes. Not only is there power in doing so, there is relief because we must use our time wisely. We often feel the pressure to say yes because we don't want other parents to question our fitness. This fear leads to overscheduling and stress. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 13 says, The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. Pray about your family commitments and feel free to say no. God will bless you for it. I'm Stacy Washington. Find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com. Coming next week on The Dwelling Place. Pastor Al Pittman continues to walk us through the Bible line by line and verse by verse to let God show us just how timeless His truth is. That's next week on The Dwelling Place. Equipped with Chris Brooks. This program is an apologetic endeavor. We tackle news, current events, cultural trends, and phenomenons from a Christian worldview perspective. Why? Because we're looking for insights into culture that will allow us to more effectively, more contextualize the gospel so that we can reach men and women for Christ. Get equipped with Chris Brooks. Join me Monday through Friday at noon Central Time on Urban Family Talk. Why does AFA keep harping on the dangers of the Netflix show 13 Reasons Why? It's because we've looked into the eyes of the mother of a teen suicide victim. Patrice Bright was mom to a normal, happy 14-year-old cheerleader dealing with the challenges any teenager faces. But her outlook on life was apparently darkened after she binge-watched season one of 13 Reasons Why. Anna Bright chose to deal with her temporary teen problems with the permanent act of suicide. Several other teens and young adults have made the same choice after watching this show which glorifies suicide. The American Family Association and others have pointed out the dangers of the program to Netflix. But apparently motivated by money, Netflix has just released season two. Our hope is to save teen lives by getting Netflix to pull the series before another tragedy occurs. You can learn more and sign the 13 Reasons Why petition at AFA.net. This is Spacey on the Right on Urban Family Talk. When we entered the 21st century, the national debt was $5 trillion. When George W. Bush came into office, it had taken 41 presidents before him over two centuries to accumulate $5 trillion in debt. Eight years later, when George W. Bush, a Republican, left the White House, $5 trillion had doubled to $10 trillion. Then, of course, we had President Barack Obama, a Democrat, who once again doubled the national debt from $10 trillion to $20 trillion. It is worth reflecting over two centuries to get to five trillion. And then Republicans and Democrats together quadruple the debt in just 16 years. Enough is enough is enough. What we are doing 
is immoral. The former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff has described the national debt as the greatest national security threat facing our country. And we need to stand up and stop it. And the beauty of it is we have a vehicle that can start down this road, that can make a meaningful step. President Trump has stepped forward rightly and submitted a rescission package to Congress. The House of Representatives has done its job and passed that rescissions package of $15 billion. Now it's time for the Senate to do our job. Rescissions. Welcome back to Stacey on the Right here on Urban Family Talk and American Family Radio. The rescissions package is basically a budgetary maneuver. It's a procedural maneuver that Congress can use to carve extra spending out of a budget that's already been passed. They use the rescissions process to eliminate spending. $15 billion is a drop in the bucket, but remember, money stacks up. The way to get to a balanced budget is to cut Even if you have to take it out teaspoonful by teaspoonful, you need to do something. You don't look back later and say, oh, man, I wish we hadn't cut that. That's not the process with the government. It's never that. It's always spend, 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 spend. And if there's even the slightest cut that's suggested, then they're like, oh, you can't cut that. Yes, we can. Not only can we, but we must. We must do it. So I'm glad to hear that from Senator Ted Cruz. And I'm glad to hear that the House has passed it and now they just needed to get it through the Senate, which obviously that's a much higher hurdle to cross because the Democrats have a little bit of a stranglehold going on over there, even though the Republicans control the chamber. So now I want to talk about the IG report and make no mistake about it. This is the reason why everything in the world has to be about the border control issue. And and it, Believe me, if there was a mass shooting, that's what it would be about instead. If it was anything, really. But the Democrats are such effective messengers. They've even got Republicans and faux Republicans like Laura Bush convinced that this is an issue. They've got them so convinced that it's an issue that they're willing to go on television and say things that are demonstrably false. I have I've taken to simply only referring to information that is government source data Department of Homeland Security information, Secretary Nielsen's Twitter feed, which has links in it to relevant information. She's the one who's on the ground. She's the one who knows what's going on. I'm referring back to her information only because I want to be accurate. I'm tired of people peddling lies about these subjects. And everyone who's participating in it, it's, it's an exercise in futility. Nothing is going to change. Talking about the border does not change the IG report one iota. And I loved that Horace Cooper pointed out that the fact that the IG felt compelled to say that even though there was all of this bias, it was so obvious he couldn't get around it in his report, that the bias did not impact the results of Hillary Clinton's investigation or the investigation into Donald Trump's collusion with the Russians, that that is so ridiculous on its face but that's where we are right now. We even and, and I respect the inspector general and the work that they had to do, especially when you look at how they were able to recover the last text messages. They went into the phones and found a database that was storing all of the information, but they weren't able to retrieve everything out of the database that was on the phone. And so it took numerous tries. They actually had to go into the private sector and secure the help of an individual who was well versed in, in doing this. That just goes to show you how deeply they wanted to know all of the text messages that were on that phone. Uh, it also demonstrates to us that if you have a phone and you think you've deleted messages, you really haven't. 
Um, so we should really all be as cautious as possible about the things that we text and private message. Even if you're using an encrypted service where they say that there's a time, uh, like an expiration date on the text and they disappear and they're gone, they may disappear and be gone from that encrypted server, but they're still somewhere deep in the recesses of your phone or they're still archived through your carrier. Did you know you could request an archive of your text messages from your carrier? Yeah. So we should all take that with um, as a warning, a red flag, if you will. Whatever you're texting, if it's not something you want everyone to see, you should probably not be texting that. You should probably just share that information verbally with a person. You're actually safer going over an old school landline nowadays than you are texting or sending it over your cell phone because there's so much electronics involved and there's so much storage, grabbing of things that are flying through the electronic air and storing them. So now let's, let's, this was a great interview. This was a great hearing. Trey Gowdy was on fire. He was discussing the IG report and laying out the facts. And although we have, I feel pretty comprehensively covered a lot of what went on in the IG report here on the show, there's a lot for us to really, uh, it's a deeper understanding that we have to have for us to have the full picture of what exactly occurred at the FBI with Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, and the other unnamed agents, and how they were able to execute what they felt was their duty to prevent the presidency of Donald Trump and to make sure that President Hillary took office. And in order for us to understand it, because if you're anything like me, I mean, yes, I do feel like it's my job to get out there and vote and to spread the truth. And, you know, I, I have a job to do as a radio host and, and whatnot. But I don't feel like I should use my position to exert undue influence. Now, it's really not a, a, a good comparison because I don't work for the FBI or any other governmental agency where lives can be destroyed. But I did... I was on active duty in the Air Force, and I didn't feel back then that I had a duty to um, impact like national things. I just had my job to do, and that's what I did. So that's why this is difficult for us to really comprehend exactly what happened, what went on, what was this. So let's listen to Trey Gowdy. He's laying out the facts of the IG report number eight. Thank you, Mr. Inspector General. There's a text exchange between FBI lawyer Lisa Page and FBI agent Peter Strzok from August the 8th of 2016. In that text exchange, Lisa Page wrote, Trump's not ever going to become president, right with a question mark, and then right with a question mark, and an exclamation point in case anybody uh, reading it may have missed the uh, point of her emphasis. Peter Strzok responded, no, no he's not, we'll stop it. Do I have that text exchange right? Uh, you do. Now, Lisa Page was an FBI lawyer who worked on the Clinton email investigation? That's correct. Uh, did she also work on the Russia investigation? Uh, she did. How about the Mueller special counsel team? Uh, she did for a period of time. All right. So we're three for three on her working on the two most important bureau investigations in 2016 and beyond. Now, is this the same Lisa Page that Andy McCabe used to leak information to a news outlet? Um, she was his special counsel, and as we indicated in our earlier report, she was the individual through whom he provided that information. 
wasn't there also a text about an insurance policy in case Trump won in a meeting in Andy's office? She was part of that text string too, wasn't she? Correct. That was on August 15. All right. So this August 8 text was not the only time FBI lawyer Lisa Page was able to use the text feature on her phone. This is the same Lisa Page who admonished the agent interviewing Hillary Clinton not to go into that interview loaded for bear because Clinton might be the next president. And it's the same Lisa Page who said Trump was loathsome, awful. The man cannot become president. Clinton just has to win and that Trump should go F himself. So the language is very strong there. Um, and it's the same kind of language we now see leveled at the president regularly. Can you imagine somebody screaming that kind of stuff at President Obama when he was in office? That's what's happening to Donald Trump right now. He's getting screamed at, people are screaming expletives at him as he goes from the official presidential vehicle into different buildings. People are standing there and they're screaming, you know, expletives at him, including his name in it. Um, Secretary Nielsen was out for, oddly enough, Mexican last night and was um, booed out of the restaurant. They just said shame over and over again until she, I mean, it was so disruptive. She had to get up and leave and she wasn't there alone. She was there with some other officials having dinner and uh, you know, she was at the Starbucks and the guy behind her penned a letter to their alma mater to express his shame at being from the same school that she graduated from. Um, and and I'm just wondering, what is this supposed to do? So, yes, it's embarrassing in the moment. And it does stick with you when someone embarrasses you in public. But it doesn't change your views. It's not like tomorrow she's going to go in and say, you know what? I resign. I don't want to do this job anymore. She's in the right. If you watch the videos of her when the reporters are attacking her and being very uncouth and unprofessional, she responds very professionally, very calmly because she's right. When people are wrong, they resort to name calling and they get, you know, upset and they, they get in their feelings. She clearly has nothing to be concerned about. If she did, she certainly would not be able to respond with such a cool demeanor. And so I just don't understand any of it. I don't, I don't understand any of the, the behaviors that are going on right now. So then Gowdy, this is later in the, in the hearing, he's talking to Horowitz and he asks Horowitz some questions and there's a little bit of interchange here, which I thought was pretty important. It's number nine. Just over two weeks into the Russia investigation, Strzok says, I want to believe the path you threw out, that there's no way he gets elected, but I'm afraid we can't take that risk. It's like an insurance policy. Mr. Inspector General, that is two weeks into an investigation, and he is talking about taking out an insurance policy because he can't fathom the target of his investigation possibly becoming the president. So I want to go back to the no, no, he's not going to be president. We'll stop it. What do you think the it is in that phrase, we'll stop it? Oh, I think it's clear from the context. It's we're going to stop um, him from becoming president. That's what I thought, too. Now, I wonder who the we is and the we'll stop it. Who do you think the we is? Well, I think that's probably subject to multiple interpretations. We'll see if we can go through a couple of them or the broader or a broader group beyond that. 
I mean, it's hard to fathom a definition of we that doesn't include him. And so it goes. So what we have happening at this moment, <clears throat> excuse me, is a, a complete breakdown. And when I say breakdown, I'm talking about where the FBI has had their reputation severely negatively impacted by this revelation. And it's not over. This isn't over. The president has the investigation still going on against him. Mueller still has people he's indicting and doing things to. <coughs> Excuse me. And as they're moving along and doing what they're doing, there's still the cloud hanging over the FBI because Peter Strzok was so central to everything that was happening. And now he's been busted down to like an HR attendant and he has a little cubicle in HR and he's been removed from the field office or the, the headquarters or what have you. He was walked out on Friday. And yes, it, we, we still don't know what Mueller has. We don't know what he's found, what he's doing. We know he's got Paul Manafort, but apparently Paul Manafort was in the FBI sites for the past 10 years. So well before he ever worked on the Trump campaign. So, yeah, they might be leveraging to try to get him to say something bad about President Trump. But he'd have to basically admit that he knew about collusion because he was only on the campaign for less than 90 days. He was brought in. You remember this. We talked about it on the show. He was brought in to handle the delegate process at the National Republican Convention. That's it. As soon as he was done, he was out. And Kellyanne Conway was in. So I don't see how he comes up with anything, but we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Meanwhile, the FBI continues to try to patch up and cover up the holes burned into it by Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and these others. And the media still wants you to think about something going on at the southern border instead of the IG report. Don't let them win. We'll be back with more tomorrow. God bless. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of Urban Family Talk, Urban Family Communications, or American Family Association. Urban Family Talk. Urban Family Talk.